This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And a line drive, and it's a base hit over the head of the second baseman. Two runs have scored. The other runner, Cardinal, on to third, and the Cardinals lead 5-3. Simmons broke the bat and looped one that barely got over the head of Popovich, the second baseman. Joining me on the dais are Tim Mead, president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, one of the newest members of the National Baseball Hall of Fame, Ted Simmons, as well as chairman of the board of the National Baseball Hall of Fame, Jane Forbes Clark. Ted Simmons finally headed to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Brett McMillan. We'll call this a In Case You Missed It edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Ted Simmons taking to the dais earlier this week at baseball's winter meetings in San Diego, California. We're going to let you hear those questions that were passed along to him by reporters, along with Ted's answers here on this episode of the program. Glad that you are joining us. Uh, We do this every once in a while throughout the winter. You're probably very familiar with hearing me say that if you listen most often. Uh, In the wintertime, it centers around more baseball news, what's going on, whether it's postseason awards or something like this today with Simba. And then during the season, it's a little more featurey, whether it's with the 2019 roster this past year, soon to be the 2020 roster coming up, or maybe Cardinals history, or just something of interest that falls somewhere in between that is what we do on this program. You can email me, podcast with an S. Always love to hear from you, even around this holiday season. Speaking of which, I'm just going to let it uh, play out on the end, so I won't be back with you. want to wish you and yours a very happy holiday season from myself and everyone here with the podcast. Ted Simmons, 13 of his 21 seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals. He fell off the ballot, probably a victim of playing in the same era as Johnny Bench, but Simba, definitely an elite catcher and deserves his spot, especially offensively, just uh, great, great numbers, a fantastic catcher, 21 big league seasons, and as I said, 13 of them wearing the birds on the bat. He goes in with Marvin Miller, the former uh, executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association. So you will hear some questions where Ted talks about Marvin as well because their careers did overlap. All right, let's head to San Diego into the winter meetings. It's Ted Simmons talking his place in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Hey, Ted, congratulations. Thank you very much. It's been, I think, 25 years since your name first appeared on the ballot. Um, Did it feel like a long wait um, and like a weight was lifted off your shoulders when you got that news yesterday? Have you been able to process getting that news yesterday yet? Well, it was obviously very, very exciting to get that telephone call from Jane. Um, Very, very happy. Uh, 25 years is a long time. And I mean, you know, it was one and done, so to speak, a long time ago. And 
that time pretty much thought my you know candidacy was over. Then things changed and then evolved and brought back to life, so to speak. And and then yesterday finally um, made that final leap. Uh, I can only tell you how exciting that has made me feel. And uh, everything that's gone in the past is all part of it. It's all a good part of it. It was supposed to happen just like this, and it happened just like this, and I couldn't be happier and wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything, not one thing. And uh, on the right-hand side? Uh, Ted, where, uh, where were you when you found out, and what was your, what was your uh, mood like in the last couple of days when you knew that they were meeting and voting, and uh, what was going through your mind Sunday and Monday? Well, I, I found out yesterday at uh, 6.30 Central Time uh, in St. Louis. I was waiting that out with my wife, uh, just waiting it out. And I can only explain to you that the anxiety, you know, begins about a month ago, and then it just starts building. And before long, it's preoccupied every thought you've got, and you um, just keep building. And then finally, it, 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 it all just kind of releases itself when the phone call finally comes and say welcome as the newest and latest member of, you know, Cooperstown's Hall of Fame. It's like all the anxiety just, it's like Niagara Falls, just relief. Again in the second row. <coughs> hey Ted, congratulations. Hey, what do you remember about uh, the big blockbuster trade when you and Buki and, and Raleigh came to Milwaukee? It was transformational for that franchise and, and quite a career arc for all of you guys, too. Well, it was a, a, a wonderful moment. I remember I was a 10 of 5 player at that time, so I had control. I'd been in St. Louis and had a wonderful career over there, and things changed, and circumstances um, evolved in a way that put me in a place to come to Milwaukee, and I can remember when it all happened, you know, talking to Whitey Herzog, who had orchestrated this um, whole thing, and saying, you know, okay, who's in the deal? What is the deal? And he said, well, he named a number of players coming to St. Louis from Milwaukee, Cisco, Luciano, and a few others, and, and I said, well, who's going to Milwaukee? And Whitey said, well, Fingers is going and you're gone, and Vukovic is gone. And I said, now let me get this straight. I said, those two guys, Fingers and Vukovic, are coming with me to Milwaukee. And he said, yeah, that's it. I said, that's the truth, right? <laughs> he said, yeah, that's the truth. I said, let me talk to Mr. Selig, and we'll get this done. Talked to Bud not long after that, and he assured me that Vukovic and Fingers were coming, and I said, okay, we got a deal. And I said, let's go. And it, it changed all our careers. It changed everyone. Mine, Vuk became, you know, Cy Young Award winner. We went to the seventh game of the World Series, and Raleigh, you know, became what he became and, and was. So it changed everything in Milwaukee, and it, it was a wonderful, wonderful period. Teddy, uh, congratulations. Thanks, Barry. The, the, uh, you mentioned the committee. How much of it do you think the structure of this committee led to your uh, election this time 
and to Marvin's in particular too, because it's just a different generation of executives on this committee too, who weren't made perhaps as angry at Marvin as some in the past. Well, I think for the most part, everyone on that committee in one form or another knew Marvin. Each and every one of them I know had either played against me um, uh, and the general managers all had seen me play. Um, and so when you have, you know, that kind of group, um, totally familiar with your body of work, whether it was my own or whether it was Marvin's, um, these, these are, you know, first-hand accounts of, of um, what they're trying to determine or, or evaluate. So, I mean, when the, the committee was announced, I looked at that committee and I said, I told my wife, I said, I got your answer. I know all these people. And I know them pretty well. And you look at that and you say, well, you never know how it's going to turn out, but, you know, you either have optimism or pessimism. And since I knew these people knew me and I knew them, um, I was live. Third row, straight ahead. Uh, Ted, congratulations again. And uh, before you had, obviously, what is now a major or a Hall of Fame major league career, you had stops in places like Cedar Rapids and Modesto <clears throat> and Tulsa. How did your minor league career and your path through the minors set up what is now a path to Cooperstown? And, and also, extending on to that, what was it like playing behind Joe Torre, knowing he was in the major leagues at your position? Well, the first part of that question is, what is it the minor leagues did essentially toward you know, developing me into a major leaguer and ultimately a Hall of Fame player. At the minor league level, I mean, a guy like George Brett, someone like myself, people who can hit, when they go through the minor leagues, they're just tearing it up. And I mean, your confidence starts soaring and you think you're invincible. And by the time I was you know, 19, 20 years old, having just crushing everything, everywhere I played in the minor leagues, I, I figured, you know, there wasn't a place on earth I couldn't play. And so I was ready in my mind uh, to play in the major leagues. Now, I had rather rude and abrupt awakenings awaiting, and I felt my lumps plenty. But the minor leagues, you just feel like you can't make an out, okay? Um, and the second part of that question was... Yeah. Yeah, well... You know, actually before Joe, it was another great Cardinal catcher at the time, Timmy McCarver. And Timmy was, you know, the mainstay. He was the you know, catcher for the Cardinals, 67, 68. I mean, he was, you know, he was the guy. And so um, then, you know, I came through the minors in a fashion that I just described. And um, the handwriting pretty much on the wall. The reason I ended up coming to the major leagues was another unfortunate circumstance that occurred to Mike Shannon. Mike Shannon developed the early stages of nephritis. It was determined in spring training through one of the medical tests that he had it and that he was going to have to um, retire. And so at that time, Torrey, who was scheduled to be the catcher, Shannon was going to be the third baseman. They shifted Torrey to third. They brought me to the minors, from the minors at AAA to the majors, and I stayed for the duration. So playing behind a guy like Torrey, Gibson, Brock, 
I mean, Carlton, these guys were in a clubhouse, you know, every day when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. Huge impact. In the back on the left. Mr. Simmons, congratulations. Um, you've stayed active in the game as through a lot of different ways after you were done playing. And you mentioned when you fell off the ballot the first time you thought your candidacy was, was, was over. As you became more uh, modernized in the game with how you evaluated it, scouting, what was it like for you to watch your own numbers become more appealing to the, to the folks who <coughs> analyzed these things? And, and did you realize your chance was growing based off of the things that were becoming more valued in the game? Well, I've said this before. I mean, and I've recognized it for a while, but it was really the sabermetrics people who um, really revived my candidacy. I mean, the comparisons that come from statistics in general is what makes this game part of what it is, so exciting to so many people. And the controversies and the discussions just abound, especially around the numbers. And so when I was essentially, um, you know, uh, one and done, for lack of a better phrase, um, people started examining that. And then they started looking at the numbers. And then they started making the comparisons. And then the discussions started. And then pretty soon people were walking up to me and saying things like, well, did you know? And I said, well, I just got a body of work here. It's not something I think about day and, light, and, and night. I've done what I can do. And pretty soon people were coming up a lot. And then they started talking to each other. And then they started talking to everybody. And it just grew. Now, there have been a lot of people who had a lot to do with this, but the sabermetrics people brought me back to life. Ted, you're going in with, uh, with Marvin. Have you had an opportunity, did you ever have an opportunity to work with him, and what were your impressions of him? Well, I've said this maybe too many times already in the last 20 hours. People ask this question to me. I can't begin to tell you, anybody in this room, the impact that Marvin Miller has had on me and my family. I came from a little place in just outside of Detroit, and well, I put it to you like this: first contract I played for at the major league level was for $7,500. Okay, and Marvin, that summer, raised it to 10, and then the following spring training, the minimum well, the minimum salary went from 10 to 14. And I turned to my wife and I said. I think we can buy a car. <laughs> then you could buy one for 800 bucks, brand new. But, I mean, Marvin impacted everybody that played and were members of the Players Association in ways that I'll never forget and my family will never forget. Changed everything. And, you know, people say, well, what do you think about today and the salaries and stuff? And, you know, Strasburg just, just signed, and those numbers, good for him. And when I signed for the money I played for, it's bigger than life. I can't complain about anything. And Marvin had that kind of impact, and he's still having that impact. And I couldn't be prouder as a newly elected member of the Cooperstown's Hall of Fame be going in with him. I couldn't have handpicked anybody I'd rather go in with. And Scott on the left. Hey Ted, congratulations. Um, I know you said this played out exactly as it was supposed to have played yeah. out. I'm wondering, last time you were behind the, before the committee, 
falling just one vote short. Yeah. How did that change as you approached this vote? Was it more excruciating or fuel your optimism? Well, I can only tell you, when you're waiting it out, it's just plain excruciating. Until the fall call comes, I mean, it just, it's just painful. Because, you know, you, you keep saying to yourself, well, I can't really want this, this, this bad. I just can't really want it this bad. Can I? And you keep answering the question in the affirmative. Yes, I can want it this bad. And waiting it out, it's just, it's, it's horrible. But when it finally comes, I mean, it's, like I said a moment ago, Niagara Falls. The weight of the world is just lifted. And you just go, I can't believe it. Relief, complete and total relief. In the center here. Genuine congratulations, Ted. Uh, Billy Staples from Chicken Soup for the Soul Publishers. Uh -huh. In 70 and 71, when you would go down to spring training, many times Marvin went from camp to camp to give information and introduce himself. Uh, 72, there, there was the, the strike. Um, could you recall maybe a first uh, interaction with chatting with him or an impression? And uh, two Hall of Famers, uh, a recollection of a, a Marvin story, so be it. So there's so many stories about Marvin, but you asked my first encounter. I used to be a, a just an absolute horrendous chain smoker. I started started smoking when I was 14 years old, and I was banging them down three packs a day by the time I quit. Marvin was a smoker, and I remember the first encounter was he was smoking, and so I, I was smoking because smokers tend to <laughs> attract. And the thing about Marvin that was so special is that he was so patient and no matter how insane a question you might present he was absolutely as patient as a person could be he would literally let you go on and on and on and make a complete moron out of yourself and then at the end he would say now I think this is pretty much what you're trying to tell me and he'd encapsulate it and sure enough the guy just made a complete and total moron out of himself, walk away, biggest smile in the world. So, I mean, Marvin is, is one story after another. I can't tell one. I'd have to tell a hundred, and then I couldn't shut up. So, very, very special person. Meant everything to me and my family. Took me to a place that I never dreamed I'd ever go. We have time for a couple more questions, way in the back. Ted, uh, after your playing days, you've stayed in the game ever since then. Why, uh, why did you stay in the game, and how uh, enjoyable and how rewarding has <coughs> the non-playing part of your career been? I tell people that I can't separate them. Yes, it was much more fun playing, and it was much more lucrative, to say the very least. But um, I can't tell you or, or separate what having been a general manager in Pittsburgh was for me. I mean, that opened up the entire industry to me, where I saw how baseball functioned, where it made its money, how it made its money, how it strived to present a, 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 an acceptable product and put it out on that field for a, a, a local fan base. And I thought the only organization that ever existed in my life was you know, the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'd spent so much of my time there and loved it. And it was great. But once I moved, and once I saw how big the place was, 
Pittsburgh became a really special place to me, and ultimately Cleveland, and San Diego, and now Atlanta. And I've seen this industry wide open. There isn't a thing I haven't seen. There isn't a thing I don't understand. Luckiest baseball man in the world. I don't have the headaches anymore, thank God. But it sure is a beautiful thing to look, look at and, and wonder about. It's just, it's beyond belief what has happened in this game. It's incredible. And our last question right here on the right. Uh, Ted, first of all, congratulations. Your induction is well, well overdue. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the things that you've spoken a lot about is patience, and obviously the uh, the whole the whole process that you've been through from the time that you were the first time on the ballot. Um, obviously, a lot of time has gone by. Um, I know I, I know you touched a little bit on this before, but you know the fact that you're in now, but to be inducted with Marvin Miller and everything that he had to go through, the time that you happen to play which coincided with the time that he, he made the great changes to baseball in the game that it, it is today and what it is for the players. It, it's got to be extra special, even though you had to wait as long as you did to be inducted with Marvin. Well, those are two separate things. And as I mentioned a moment ago, Marvin Miller is a very, very special, special man. And just to have been associated with him and look in his window for as long as I got to, life lessons, you know, life knowledge, and lucky boy having done that. As far as my, my pursuit of the Cooperstown Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, it's taken this long. And I mean, the, it may sound so trite because it's used so often but it's a hard place to get into. And it should be. And there's no reason for me to feel in any way, shape, or form that my journey to this place is any more or any less than anybody else's. It is hard. It's an excruciating weight. And until it happens for you, you just can't describe what it's like. Well, thank you. Thank you all for joining us today, and congratulations again to Ted Simmons. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.